And this is not particularly something that is to come. I feel like the Lord's given a word of clarity, of foretelling, of clarity for right now. And I want to just deliver it to you the way he gave it to me. And while you're turning to John chapter 17, I'm going to say happy birthday to Sister Julia. Today is Sister Julia's birthday. Let's give her a hand clap. We appreciate Sister Julia. Happy, happy birthday. Praise God. In John chapter 17, verse 11, Jesus is praying. And he's saying, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I am come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those that thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them my, thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That prayer makes such a powerful statement. That's not the entirety of it. That's just a segment of it. But the application of that to you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is extraordinary. And the Lord wants us to know it. And we're going to look at it a little further here in just a moment. Our point of focus is the word beyond. And I'm going to keep talking about the word beyond. Everybody say beyond. God bless you as you're seated. Josh, is that video ready? Okay. I want to show you something here in just a moment. A few days ago, actually I believe it was this past Sunday, on January the 3rd, representative from Kansas City, Missouri, Representative Emmanuel Cleaver, started the 117th Congress with a prayer. It's about two minutes long, and we're going to play it. The words in it are great. The thought was great. The scriptures invoked were true, and they were great. He ends his prayer with what has now become this infamous word. Have y'all heard the word, a woman? He ends his prayer with amen and a woman. But I want you to watch and I want you to listen. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you the word that God put in my heart in connection to this. Eternal God, noiselessly we bow before your throne of grace as we leave behind the politically and socially clamorous year of 2020. We gather now in this consequential chamber to inaugurate another chapter in our roller coaster representative government. The members of this august body acknowledge your sacred supremacy and therefore Confess that without your favor and forbearance, we enter this new year relying dangerously 
on our own fallible nature. God, at a moment when many believe that the bright light of democracy is beginning to dim, empower us with an extra dose of commitment to its principles. May we of the 117th Congress refuel the lamp of liberty so brimful that generations unborn will witness its undying flame. And may we model community healing, control our tribal tendencies, and quicken our spirit that we may feel thy priestly presence even in moments of heightened disagreement. May we so feel your presence that our service here may not be soiled by any utterances or acts unworthy of this high office. Insert in our spirit a light so bright that we can see ourselves in our politics as we really are, soiled by selfishness, perverted by prejudice, and inveigled by ideology. Now may the God who created the world and everything in it bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace. Peace in our families, peace across this land. And dare I ask, O oh Lord, peace even in this chamber, now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. Amen and a woman. The now, that's why you don't wear a mask when you pray or you speak because it was so muffled. But I, I want to point out to you that the words of that prayer were great. The thought was great. The scriptures that he invoked were great. But then in that last 15 or 20 seconds, I played that clip because you needed to see it it's in, in its entirety. The media, especially social media, has blown up over a man and a woman. Well, let me point this out. A man, as we all know, simply means so be it. A man is a universal word. It's the same in every language. It's called the best known word in human speech. It's the, there's two words that all across the world stay the same, and it's the word amen and the word hallelujah. And amen never has been a gender word. It's been a word from ancient times that simply means so be it. It's a universal word. But what this represented was two things. And this is the word that God's put in my heart to share with y'all. It represented, number one, something that's obvious. We already know that this congressional leadership is talking of eliminating all gender-specific language. They're already talking about it. Eliminating gender-specific language. Father, mother becomes the word parent. Brother, sister becomes the word sibling. Son, daughter becomes the word child. It's gender specific. Anything that is gender specific, this Congress has already begun talking about eliminating. But 
the one thing that God directed my thoughts toward and poured it into my heart was this. In the midst of us here in the United States of America focusing on the crazy a woman wording, we've been distracted from what he said about five seconds prior to the amen and the a woman. Because Representative Cleaver, who comes under the hiding of a Methodist minister, invoked the name of Brahma. He invoked the name of Brahma. Show that picture. He invoked the name of Brahma. Brahma is the creator God of the Hindu religion. So what he did, we got distracted because he said a woman. Prior to him saying a man and a woman, he prayed and he quoted number six, the blessing that, that was the ironic benediction. He quoted scripture. He added these things into it. But he kind of ran up toward the end of this prayer and began talking about the creator God. And then he named Brahma. This is where we are as a country. There's a word. The word is syncretism. Put the word up. The word is syncretism. And the word syncretism just simply is an amalg amalg amalgamation. I'm not talking in tongues. Y'all have the word for me? Syncretism. I think we're stuck on Brahma. I rebuke you, Brahma. Go away. The word syncretism is spelled S-C-Y-N-C-R-E-T-I-S-M. Syncretism. S-Y or S-C-Y-N-C-R-E-T-ism. Syncretism. And it's the amalgamation, that's the process of combining or the attempted amalgamation of different religions, cultures, or schools of thought. Syncretism is the combining of different beliefs. The combining of different beliefs. It's the blending of practices. So I want you to be clear with me because this is the word that God has put into my heart for right now. Today, here we are in the 21st century. I'm not even going to address at the moment what's going on in Washington, except we're going to conclude with prayer here in just a few minutes for our nation. But today, the lines are starting to become clearer. The differences are starting to become clearer. The distinctions are becoming clearer. This generation that we're part of, has been moving in this direction for about 20-something years. Political correctness, PC, started in the late 1980s. And PC said we're going to avoid anything that could possibly offend. So it started in the, light, in the late 1980s, political correctness. That means you've got to use exclu or inclusive language. You've got to avoid any language that would be excluding or marginalizing. And the goal behind that was we don't want to insult anybody. Racism's horrible. Sexism is horrible. Prejudice is horrible. Bigotry is horrible. But political correctness was something that was slid in. 
by some people that we just kind of gave them the, the okay because they're smart. They're connected to our social or, or to our society. They know what they're talking about. We need to be better. We need to improve our language. So political correctness, starting in the late 1980s, about 30 years ago, came into our, our society. But you know where we are now? Here's where we are in the 21st century. We have cancel culture. Cancel culture is call out and remove those that you don't agree with or those that don't agree with you. So what happened was is political correctness gave birth to a demonic baby. Political correctness gave birth to cancel culture. And cancel culture is let's censor, let's erase, let's eliminate. Cancel culture said let's embrace everything, blend everything, and eliminate what won't be blended. So PC had a baby. Cancel culture. Cancel culture is moving our age toward erasing what is considered harmful or offensive or dangerous. That's us. Christianity believes one truth, and it's not negotiable. Christianity serves one God, and it's not generic. Christianity states that there is one way. And this is without equivocation. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. There is no other name and our allegiance is to no other. We've got in Washington ordained ministers that are praying to Brahma. And Georgia just sent to Washington an ordained minister that says it's okay for any excuse to have an abortion. I'm going to tell you, I'm not making stuff up. Y'all know the news. I don't have to declare the news to you. But here, I, here it is. I'm telling you. We're moving into this place. 2021 is bringing us to the place that the lines are clear, the differences are clear, and the distinctions are clear. And we've made up our mind. We're standing on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Word of God tells us there's no other way, and we know that, and we're standing on the Word of God. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is not a syncretistic view. There is not a gathering of it and blending it all up together and making this some sort of ecumenical belief system. We're not going to hug trees with Oprah and say kumbaya. We're going to stand on the truth of the Word of God. Jesus is the only way. Hallelujah. There is one body, one spirit. You're called with one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. You already know this, but the Lord put this prophetic word in me to bring clarity to you tonight. And bring clarity into this situation. And the clarity is this. That this is going to become not gray anymore. It is moving into an absolutely black and white. It's good 
versus evil. It's right versus wrong. It's righteousness and godliness versus ungodliness and error. And we've decided we're going to stand for truth because truth, no matter if it hurts us temporarily, is what we need for eternity. There's only one way to make it, and that's through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we make our declaration, as Paul said. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Paul said it this way. He's writing to Timothy, passes it on to you and I as the church. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't settle for a polluted word. I'm going to read it again, verse 14. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand. Are you going to stand? For the pure, true word of God. We're not settling for a contaminated word. We're not settling for a cloudy word. We're not settling for a gray word. We're settling for the unadulterated, true word of God until the Lord comes. Which in times, or in his times, he shall shew who is the blessed and only potentate. King of kings and Lord of lords. There's coming a day, y'all, that it's not going to be Brahma. There's coming a day that it's not going to be Shivna. There's coming a day it's not going to be Allah. It's not going to be some four-headed gold idol. It's going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Almighty. We're going to stand before Him. He alone is God and He alone is worthy to be praised. The blessed and only potentate the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. And Paul goes on to say, Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. We looked at the scripture last week in Jude, and I looked at it again Sunday, but Jude, Jude chapter 1, verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. There's three words. We've already looked at them, but I'm going to bring them back into this. Three words. The word sanctified, preserved, and called. The word sanctified is that we're made holy, we're hallowed, we're consecrated. It's God himself that set us where we are. 
God himself set us apart. We're not set apart because we chose to be religious. We're set apart because God himself pulled us from that sin pit we were in and put us on the right way and said, I've blessed you, I've brought you out. And any commandment that I give to you, any call to holiness that I give to you is not to restrict you, but but so that you can walk in a state of blessing with me. Don't get confused. Don't think that holiness is is a confinement. Holiness is the blessing of God to be brought out from that junk that we used to be in and be set apart, separated unto Him for His glory, sanctified, made holy by the Father, preserved The word means to be kept, it means to be guarded, it means that there's somebody got an eye on us. And and Jude says we're preserved in Jesus Christ. Our shepherd is guarding us. We're called. That just simply means appointed, it means chosen. And we're called for a purpose. It's going to be the fourth time that I've said this statement. And maybe by this time it's going to stick. But the hour of the church is right now. Do y'all believe that? I heard three amens to that. I'm going to ask again. Do you believe the hour of the church is right now? The hour that we're living in has not shaped us. But rather we've been shaped for this hour. The age that we're living in has not made us. We've been made by God for this age. And our place here is not accidental. God has divinely positioned us. Sanctified, protected, and called. We're here for this hour. Some of you might say, well, I wish I had not been living now because I never thought I'd live to see the day that our our, our, our capital would be overrun. I never thought that our U.S. congressman would send out a report. I'm safe. Just pray for me. None of us ever thought we'd see that hour. But none of us really aren't surprised at what's going on today. And it's probably not going to get better. Somebody called me today and they're all worked up and bent out of shape over. And I said, it'll get better about March. I just threw a time out there. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And I don't think anybody else does either. But here's what I'm resting assured in. I'm resting assured that one day you're going to have to come early to find a seat in this building. Because there's going to be people that are going to be drawn into the presence of God. The light and the mercy and the grace of God are going to be drawing those in this hour that are hungry. And one of these days Gabriel is going to sound his trumpet and the bride of Christ is going to go home to be with the Lord. He's going to present us to himself a glorious church. And even right now, he's making us glorious by the washing of the water of his word. He set us apart for a purpose. We're rising to meet that purpose. He's developing us into his his bride that is going to represent him for eternity. And we're moving into what he's doing. Jude goes on to tell us in Jude, the the third verse, the fourth verse. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and and exhort you. I'm writing unto you and I'm exhorting you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. 
For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that. He said, earnestly contend for the faith. The word earnestly or the expression, earnestly contend. It means to struggle against. It means to fight for. It means to contend. He said, earnestly struggle for, fight for, contend for the faith. Faith is belief in Jesus Christ, trust in Jesus Christ, moral convictions based on faith in Jesus Christ. It's persuasion of truth. It's what we know. It's what we've declared. It's what's been true from the time he ascended into glory and sent the promise back to this earth. It's been true from day one in the book of Acts. You've got to believe on the Lord. There's only one way to be saved. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. You repent of your sins. Belief on the Lord leads you to repentance of your sins. Being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of those sins. Being filled with the Spirit of God. That's the truth. And realizing that we're set apart for the glory of God. God's going to be exalted and His glory is going to be seen and known in His church. Jude said, earnestly contend for that faith. The faith. It's kind of like this story that weaves itself throughout, and I'm going to start tying this together, weaves itself throughout the book of Daniel. It starts out in Daniel chapter 1. Y'all know the story. Now, y'all may think I'm a little bit weird, but after... Last night, I went to sleep a little anxious, and I told God, I said, God, it's not your will that I sleep anxiously. Let me rest well, and the next thing I know, it's about 6.30, and he's shaking me. Wake up. I'm like, I don't want to get up yet. I ask him to wake me up. I honestly do this. I'll say, Lord, let me sleep good, and then when you want me to get up, wake me up. I don't know if y'all do that or not. I kind of have that luxury now that we don't have babies to take care of or kids to get off to school. And so he woke me up a little bit before 7. And finally, finally I got up and me and him went and talked and he put this in me. And I don't know, y'all may look at me like I'm weird, but after that initial little bout of feeling anxious, all of a sudden this Brother Stoney, this anticipation came into my heart. Because what we're about to see as a result of the chaotic mess of our nation, we're about to see the lines start getting clearer. We're about to see things start getting a little more defined. And we're about to see those that have been driving up and down Highway 412 and running into you at Walmart and talking to you over at Walgreens and running into you over at Arby's that have been hungry and they've been seeing the Spirit of God manifest in your life. You're going to see them show up here in the house of God and the next thing you know, you're going to see them in the altar. You're going to see them in the baptistry. And you're going to look up there and say, the last time I saw them was in the line at Arby's. But here they are getting ready to go home to be with the Lord.
our story is going to find itself so closely connected to these stories of Scripture that all you can do is just look at it and kind of, kind of grin. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, the children of God were misplaced. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. He was not going to be like the world he purposed in his heart. In Daniel chapter 3, Daniel's friends from Israel that were also there in Babylon. Daniel chapter 3 verse 8. There was a certain time the Chaldeans came near accused the Jews because what had happened is Nebuchadnezzar had built this large golden idol and told everybody to worship it. And they came and the Chaldeans came and they said to the king, you made a decree, verse 10, that every man that hears the sound of the cornet and the flute and the harp and the sackbut and the halt, the psalter and the dulcimer and all the music, they're supposed to fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth that he should be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Well, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We're moving in the direction, y'all, that it's not going to be a mask or no mask. It's not going to be a vaccine or no vaccine. It's going to be you've got to blend in with everybody else. That's where political correctness and cancel culture has been leading you. You're going to have to blend in with everybody else because you're dangerous. And you're going to have to make up your mind. I ain't. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost pushing me. You've got to make up your mind, not when you get there, but before you get there, that I'm not bowing to this idol. I trust the one true living God. You can do to me what you want to do, but I will not bow to your idol. I will not give in to that. There is not multiple gods that are on there that are helping me get to heaven. There's only one way to be saved, and I will not bow to your idol. Well, we're going to censor you. Well, you just try it. You can't shut my heart and you can't shut my mind. And I've got a feeling you won't be able to shut my mouth. They, tr they threw Paul and Silas into prison and they couldn't shut the mouths of the men of God. They prayed and they praised and God sent a victory. Comes a time... Sixth chapter of Daniel, y'all know these stories, but all the presidents of the kingdom, verse 7, the governors and the princes and the counselors, the captains, all the congressmen and the senators and the appointees and the cabinet members. All of the PC crowd and the cancel culture group and all the Hollywood money went into making a firm degree. But whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. King, we've got to trust in you because we have a central government and all power comes from central government. And Central government can dictate what we do, what we say, where we go, when we do it. Come on now. And Darius signed the decree. In verse 10, Daniel knew. The proclamation. 
Daniel knew that this had been decree number 1473. I'm just making that up. Daniel knew it. That he got on Facebook and he had got on social media and he had got on CNN and CNBC and Fox News and Newsmax. And he had made this declaration that this is what you've got to do. And Daniel knew it and he went into his house and he opened his windows and his chamber toward Jerusalem. And he kneeled upon his knees and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. I want to tell somebody something tonight. If you're not praying now, you're not going to pray then. And if you're praying now, ain't nothing going to stop you from praying then. If you've got it in your heart that I've made up my mind. You see, God blesses commitment. God honors faith. And there's going to come a day that God's going to cancel, cancel culture. Because those guys that grabbed up Daniel are the ones that got destroyed in the lion's den. And those guys that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire are the ones that got destroyed by the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar had to bow before the king of glory and say he's the one true living God. Don't you worry about what you go through right now because God is one day going to cancel the cancel culture mindset and you and I are going to be victorious for eternity. But we got to make our mind up before the fire starts and before the, before the idol is built that we're going to stand. We're going to do the standing. And Daniel received, baby come back to the piano. Daniel received a vision and he gave a prophecy. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 8. Daniel said, and I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? When you look at the book of Daniel, and I'm not even going to pretend to know the interpretation of everything that Daniel saw, but this is clear to me. Daniel 12, verse 8, Daniel said, I heard, but I understood not. And then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and, make, and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. This world doesn't see what's going on. But you guys, we're going to start seeing it clearer. And the lines are going to become more distinct. It's going to be clearer. Oh. Man. It's going to get clearer. And more distinct. It's going to move beyond the song. And it's going to move beyond just the favorite scripture verse. It's going to move into the reality where the joy of the Lord is indeed your strength. And it's going to move into the reality that the peace of God that passes understanding is really going to keep your hearts and mind through our Lord. It's going to move into the reality that all of us, not ministry teams, but all of us are going to have people coming. 
And they're going to look at us and they're going to say, I want that piece that you've got. And you're going to say, let me, let me take you to meet somebody. I want you to meet the Prince of Peace. I want you to meet the peace speaker. I want you to meet the one that I know the name of. And he's not a generic God that this world's been bowing to. He's the great and mighty potentate. He's the king of glory. You see, God spoke and told Daniel, you just seal it up, Daniel. But before Daniel sealed the book or sealed the vision, there's two verses over in chapter 11 that was part of it. In Daniel 11:32, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt, corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by spoil many days. They're going to do, be strong and do exploits and they are going to instruct many. They're going to have hardships. There's going to be hard times. But God's going to be with them. Stand with me. Jesus said it as he prayed for us in John chapter 17. He said, now I am no more in the world. But these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I want to ask us to just move around and get in groups of four or five right now. Get in groups of four or five. Brother Stoney, I want you to come back up here. Get in groups of four or five people. And I want us to pray for each other. Turn around to somebody around you. Make a little circle. And I want us to pray for each other. Come on, join with somebody. Everybody, please be joined together. And I want us to pray. We're going to pray for our country. But I want us to pray that this shining light, the church, would realize their purpose, their calling, their positioning, and the hand of God would be seen and known in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. What you've heard tonight wasn't just a Wednesday night sermonette. This was a prophetic word tonight that come from your pastor. Heed the warning of the future.